Good morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning? I mean, no, ain't it a fantastic morning outside? Hey, y'all, I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and you have tuned in by luck or by accident or on purpose to the garden party put out by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's called the Gestalt Gardener. My producer is Java Chapman. We're going to have a great time. Got some cheesy music, but mostly it's going to be a live program about gardening in April in the Deep South. So if you're interested in that, whether it's logs or vegetables or, or, or growing stuff in pots or taking care of shrubs or potted plants or wondering about weird things that are going on in gardens and things like that, we can sure talk about it. If I don't know something, people help me out. But anyway, here we are from D-Lo to So-So talking about gardening in the Deep South. And uh, we're going to take a little short break for some news and come back with a real cheery thing about gardening in the spring in the South here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I want to talk with you about what's going on in your garden. I mean, I really do. I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what you do. You know, this is one of the coolest things about MPB and NPR in general, but particularly here in Mississippi Public Broadcasting, is that uh, two things. First of all, an incredibly diverse listening audience. A lot of people who don't listen to other stuff uh, or like the diversity, but we have a huge range of folks who tune in to, to all of our locally produced programs. We appreciate it because I feel like we're doing something to to a a real unusual group of people. Uh, But also, we don't sell anything. Don't sell anything, so I don't have to feel like I got to say, well, yeah or no on products. If I like something, I like it, and I'll talk about it because I use it myself, weighing everything. Uh, If I don't like something, you know, I try not to badmouth it, but if it's causing problems, I'll say something about it. And if there's a controversial thing, if there's some things where some people say, well, I like this, but I don't like that, or you really shouldn't do this, well, I'm going to weigh the options, I'm going to research it, I'm going to dig deep, I'm going to look at methodology, I'm going to look at evaluations, I'm going to look at processes, I'm going to look at at uh, techniques. I'm going to look at the, the the summaries, and I'm not going to cherry pick stuff. I'm going to try to find out the best advice I can. First of all, for me, you know, I should I should say for you, but it's really for me because I want to know myself. If there was something, if there's a problem associated with something that I'm using or I'm recommended, I want to know about it because I'm a gardener too. I'm not just a scientist and horticulture and blah blah blah. But anyway, if you want to talk about your gardening, I will be as honest as I can about what I really think after forty something years of of uh, of scratching and sniffing and poking and prodding and going to classes and learning and and uh, reading and researching. And um, I'm curious. And sometimes there's a lot of things out there that I don't know. Sometimes I come across a real gem I get stumped on, and that's a that's a thrill to me. By the way, this past Saturday, uh, I went down to Mobile, went to the plant swap down there. It was a blast. I, mean, I went to the Flora uh, plant swap uh, last Thursday, but uh, last Saturday I went to the one down in Mobile, and there were so many people there, so many unusual plants. And I'm talking about some real weirdos. The plants, not the people. Java, there's some weirdos in gardening. I mean, you know, can, can we say that here? I don't think we'll get a fine or anything. Okay, let's just say there are some eclectic personalities. I like that one, Thank eclectic. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we don't color inside the lines. Heck, sometimes we don't know where the edge of the page is, much less color inside the lines. But uh, we mean well, and we like to share with each other. And when you get people together who bring in plants from their own garden that they like, that perform well for them in that part of the country, uh, without a whole bunch of care, and it's easy to propagate. And you bring those kind of people and those kind of plants together, there's stories all over the place. That's what I enjoy the most, hanging around in the parking lot and the little community garden there at the uh, at, at the church, uh, Central Presbyterian Church, nice little community garden. And uh, anyway, I heard some great stories, and that's what I appreciate the most. I do have some emails to share, and I've got some, uh, some events that are coming up that I think will be of interest, and some I'm going to participate in, but... Uh, if you have something that you'd like to share, shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll see if we can squeeze it in today or else we'll certainly get into it next week. But it is a call-in program. It's live. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I got the numbers right. 
You hey, on top of it this morning? 7 MPB ring. Let's go to Beaumont. Hey, Sue, you know, I've been through Beaumont last week. Oh, really? I wish you'd stop by. Well, you know, I, 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 I thought I was lost. <laughs> well, it's a place you don't want to come to unless you just get lost. You know, yeah, you know that's right down the road from one of my favorite bars. If you, if you take the road all the way down the coast, it comes out at a place called the Shed Barbecue. Exactly. Mm, exactly. Mm, 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 mm. Shot down there. Well, what can I help you with today? Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I was in the kitchen washing dishes, but I had the TV on in the living room, and I heard them say something about, I didn't know if you heard about this, there, if you, it says that, so that if you've been exposed to Roundup and developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I've seen that. Yeah. Firm or whatever. Is that so? I okay, thought, I thought okay. You said, I okay. Thought you always said Roundup was innocuous, you know. The, the TV station I watched late night, I watched the TV station. It's got old black and white, the Twilight Zone and uh-huh. Gunsmoke and all that stuff. And there are law. my son's a lawyer, don't get me wrong, but this is a company that's trolling uh-huh. for clients. And they're alarmists. This thing about Roundup uh, uh, causing, you know, they said that that uh, EPA has said it's a likely carcinogen. Right. No, they put it finally. They put it on the same list that's got red meat and hot water and aspirin. You're kidding? No, no, no. I don't kid about this. I'm. Re- I wish I could find a, a, something serious that I could say better. But what they've done, they cherry pick something. Uh, some farmers that were that worked in in an, an Asian company, Southwest uh, Southeastern Asia, who work in rice fields and they wear nothing but little thongs or something, and they're out there all day, every day, spraying Roundup, practically naked. Uh-huh. In their villages, there's a higher rate of this cancer, and these are people who are exposed to it all day, every day, for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. They've replicated though they cannot find a serious problem with Roundup causing that problem. But the lawyers are going to troll for it. Wow. Now, now, keep in mind, I don't work for Monsanto. I'm not talking about agribusiness. I'm not talking But if you want to use a Roundup to, to kill some poison ivory, some nutgrass, stuff like that around your yard, it is not a problem. Well, thank you. I was just curious to see if you'd heard about that. Oh, I, I saw the ads, and it just it started to make me mad. I realized, nah, they're just trolling for, for business. That's all. They're looking for clients. Well, thank you so much. Okay, appreciate it. Thank Bye-bye. you. Ooh, I hate to really come down that hard, but the fact is Roundup is overused and abused, particularly in big agriculture, you know, it beca- partly because the alternatives are actually worse. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. But uh, the fact is that this connection with the, with the cancer and all like that, it is such up to, to pass Venus in backstretch. It really, really is. I've looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And, I mean, dozens and dozens of hardcore research. And they're cherry-picking stuff. That's all it is to it. Uh, am I saying you ought to use Roundup? No. Should, should, it, would it be okay if you squirted on some poison? Of course it would. Not going to hurt your trees or your shrubs or your vegetables and stuff like that. Just plain and simple. And, again, I, I wish I could find something else to say about it, but I can't. If you want to give us a call, though, I won't be as contentious next time. Give me another call. I'll be nice, I promise. Let's go down to um, – actually, we got a call coming in from Gulfport, but the light's not blinking. Oh, Java, while we're doing that, let me mention some uh, some things that are coming up. I'm going to be uh, giving a, pr- a presentation this next week myself at the Indianola Library. It's my hometown. I'm going to go back to the place where I spent half my childhood because it was air-conditioned and right down the alley. But I'm doing a presentation this next week at the Indianola Library on Thursday at 6 p.m. That's the Thursday. It's Maundy Thursday. So if you, you know, you don't, we're not going to do any foot washing or anything like that. You can talk about growing stuff in containers, okay? But it's a fundraiser. I think they're charging, I don't know, it might be 20 25 bucks. I'm not sure, but it's a fundraiser for the brand new Friends of the Library group, and I wanted to give back to my community uh, and give back to the place that that, that taught me a, a lot of how to research. Spent a lot of time at the library when I was a kid. I'm doing a little give back. So that's going to be Indianola Library next Thursday at 6. Um, there's some plant sales coming up, but let me throw this one out. Coming up this next week, uh, on the 13th at noon, there's going to be a program at the Ole Miss Museum in Oxford, uh, the uh, the Master Gardens from Lafayette County. Uh, they're having Blake Layton come in talking about good bugs and bad bugs and, and uh, all the pros and cons. And you got some questions about stuff. Uh, Dr. Layton is really, really good. He's a cool guy, knows his stuff. Uh, when I send him emails about things, he shoots me an email right back. But I've known Blake a long time. And he's going to be at the Ole Miss Museum on the 13th 
at noon. Okay, that's for the Master Gardener Spring Lecture at the Ole Miss Museum. And then on Monday the 10th, coming up this next week, um, it's going to be a program called Beauty and the Beasts. And I'm not sure what that is about, Beauty and the Beast. But it's going to be at the Copiah County Master Gardener Extension Service at 6 p.m. It's coming Monday the 10th. I think that'll be kind of interesting, Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. Not sure. It might. I already know what it's about. Uh, and then there's a couple of uh, plant sales and plant swaps coming up. we got time to talk about them next week, but there's one on Saturday the 22nd in Natchez at the Colin uh, uh, Community College campus here in Natchez. Adams uh, Master Gardener going to have a plant sale and, and workshop. Uh, this is going to be... Uh, uh, what at Mydale Gardens, I think the same week. I'll come back with more of those in a little bit. We got some calls to take care of right now. Meanwhile, let's go down to Gulfport. Hey, Phil, thanks for calling, man. What's up? Yes, uh, follow on to the question about uh, Roundup. Uh-huh. I've got a large vegetable bed, not planted, and it's fairly overgrown with weeds. Can I use Roundup flowers? Well, uh, yeah, yes, you can, but... Clear but, off the garden. Well, yeah, here, here's, I would only use Roundup on hard-to-kill perennial weeds, Bermuda grass, poison ivy, nut grass, things like that. You know, if it's annual weeds, when you just dig your garden and t- row it up, that kills those. So, that, you know, there's no need to use it for just regular weeds. Uh, but if you've got hard-to-kill things, again, Bermuda grass, nut grass come to mind, you let them come up and they're growing really good, Roundup will kill them within a few days, and after it dries and the plants start to turn yellow, you can turn them under, the stuff degrades into carbohydrates. So as long as you don't put it on or near actively growing vegetables, it won't hurt them through the soil at all. But I, I, at the same time, tilling gets rid of a lot of weeds. Uh, another question concerning uh, vegetable garden. How do you treat a fire ant bed in a Going well, keep in mind that the insecticides we have today, both natural and synthetic uh, insecticides, don't last in the environment very long at all. See, so you can use anything that's recommended for treat, whether say a granular stuff you put on the mound or a liquid that you mix with water. If you treat the mounds, the stuff doesn't it, it doesn't spread in the garden. It doesn't last long. It's not absorbed into plants unless you put it on the plants. And most of the time, even then, some of them are safe, whether it's natural or synthetic. So if you're treating the beds themselves, if stuff doesn't move, doesn't travel, not absorbed into plants. Okay. And one other real quick one, watering a vegetable garden, it's best to do it on below or above the plant? No question about it. It's better to, to, to make your rows or your beds where you can water the ground and the roots, not the plants. Keeping foliage wet just invites diseases. In our hot, humid climate, the longer leaves stay wet, the more likely they're going to develop a disease or that disease spores will splash. We have enough of that with the rain, but if you got to water overhead, let's do it uh, early in the morning or early in, uh, late enough in the afternoon where they still have time to dry before dark because they don't stay as wet, but a whole lot better run soaker hoses or your furrows or whatever and water the roots. That's, it, it's more conservative for water, too. Well, great. Appreciate it. All right. Good questions. Appreciate Thanks, it. Okay. Let's go to Gulfport. Hey, Kay, good morning. Hey, good morning. Howdy. Uh, a month, good morning. A month or so ago, I trimmed uh, my blueberry plant, uh, took the twigs, put them in a solution of water and liquid um, fertilizer. Uh-huh. To my surprise, they flowered. Yeah. Um, is there any hope or chance of transplanting them now into the ground? And if so, what do I need to do? If, do if, I need to if, use any rooting compound? Okay, if they grow roots, you can transplant them. A lot of plants, so, quite a few plants root in water, but a whole bunch of them do not. And I've never, and I've tried rooting root blueberries. Uh, I don't know that they'll root in water. I, I just don't know. Uh, I don't think that they will. Some shrubs will, some won't. So it just really depends on whether they grow roots in that water. If they do, then you can go in and plant them. But until then, I just don't know. It's, it's you know, it's a it's a good idea, but it's not that easy. So I'm saying, uh, blueberry. There was a lark, and I just thought I would oh. take that chance. Oh yeah, and you, you had some nice flowers inside too. But uh, you know, if you want to try rooting them, uh, first of all, if you got some plants that are making these suckers that come up from the ground, you can cut those back to a few inches tall and dig those up and move them because they've already got roots. But if you wanted to root the cuttings themselves, most of the commercial people, the ones who propagate blueberries commercially, they do it in the summertime and bright indirect light with a lot of humidity, a little greenhouse type thing to keep humidity up. And they found that that's when it roots the best. Oh, so maybe this summer I should try doing that. Sure. Shoot me an email and I'll give you a little bit more detail. 
Thank you, sir. All righty, Kay. Appreciate it a whole bunch. Have a great day. Thank you. Hot dog. So far, it's turned out good. Let's go to Brandon. Hey, Dawn. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? So far, so good. Um, I have a question. You know, I'm a U.S. was a USDA certified organic grower, um, but I have planted my fruit trees. The orchard now has termites in the root system. Oh boy, that's a tough one. Yeah. I tell you, you know, and this is going to sound really, really odd, but uh, according to research that's, been, that's done in Texas and Georgia, you know fire ants will eat termites? I didn't know that. They they do. They eat chinch bugs, too, and cut worms and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, if you okay. somehow encourage termites to build up mounds around the base of your fruit trees, they will eat the termites. Uh, they They love the protein. Oh, well, I don't think that I could ha- take one more summer of bites on my legs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as long as you know where they are, I'm just saying, keep an eye on If they If they do build up on the base of your, your trees, I, I leave them. But we don't have even any good chemicals, yeah. much less natural products, that, that will penetrate into wood and get down to where the termites are. We don't. There may. I don't think there are any termite baits. There might be. I'd have to do a little. I tell you what. If you stay tuned, I'm gonna call a guy in a few minutes. I know who will know this kind of stuff. So, so stay tuned, and I'll see if there is anything that that can be taken in by termites. I'll, I'll call a, a fellow specifically for this in just a few minutes. But and also, i um, also heard. Do you think this might work? Pouring grits on top of the mound, and if they eat it, they carry it down, and when they drink water. Them. I've heard I've heard that in so many variations on it, and it's pure. I'm oh, not gonna wow. say hooey because hooey uh, seems like as a mean thing. It's pure grasping at straws. Okay, awesome. Okay, I'll be listening. Thanks. Okay, appreciate it. Oh, we got callers online. You want to take a quick break though, or do you want to keep keep on a roll? We give you give you a little give you a little break. Let you gather your thoughts, and uh, we appreciate uh, Frank for holding Tim, Andy. We're gonna get to you. All right. I'm horticulture's fellow rushing, and we're talking about gardening. And I know I come across kind of striding on some things, but, you know, I, I am looking for solutions. And if I can't find a good one, I will scratch and sniff until I find one. But sometimes I hear bad things, and they turn out to be bad. Sometimes I hear bad things, and they're not that bad. Sometimes I hear good things that aren't that good. So I'm sort of stuck in a quandary here. So I'm going to do my best to stick with what I know or people have convinced me of. And if I can be convinced otherwise, I love it. Anyway, we're talking about gardening. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. And uh, this is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Garden Party. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with some uh, some of your more, more, some phone calls right after this. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hello, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Let's jump right into this and talk with Frank and Jackson. Hey, Frank, good morning, sir. Hey, a couple of things. Number one, Roundup is being found in the umbilical cord blood of babies. Two, there's such a thing as environmental overload. You got Roundup, you got fire retardant, you got uh, all kinds of these environmental hazards showing up in the umbilical cord can be good. Number three, do you have any experience with these uh, two-liter bottles, watering uh, devices? People punch holes in the bottles. They have these uh, ceramic stakes that they put at the bottom of the bottle. Yeah, I, I, any of that stuff? You know, for, first of all, I appreciate your comments about the Roundup. You're, you're right about that. Uh, but you know, if you if you look at the research, it is extremely minute. To the point where you know, I, I I just I can't find a a problem with people using Roundup at home based on those kind of cherry pick research. I I just can't, and and, and, I, and I'm I'm not trying to 
to uh, say chemicals are good. I'm just saying, you know, if you use them wisely, that's okay. But when they're abused, we have problems. Because we have problems with birth control stuff washing into the sewers. And I don't want to get into all that. I'm just saying from a gardener's point of view, I don't have a problem with it. But as far as those watering things, those uh, the, the things that you buy at the store, you can make out of a Pepsi bottle. Or a Coke bottle by punching tiny little holes in it yourself and, and sinking them in your in your potting soil, and that's what I actually use. What okay, you? Great, thank you. you. You bet. Appreciate it. Anyway, the 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 dance to get a more detail, you can take any kind of plastic bottle and punch the tiniest holes. I tell you how tiny the holes are. I use you know those little skewer things that you that shape like corn. They got two little pins and you use it to hold an ear of corn up with. I punch holes in the bottom of some uh, some plastic bottles with those little tiny tiny holes. And then you keep the cap on it. What you do is you fill it with water, you screw the cap on and the stuff won't come out. But if you sink it part way down in your pots or beside your plant, I do this beside pepper and tomato plants, even in dirt, sink them down in the ground. When you back off on the top a little bit, it allows a little air in, and the stuff seeps out the bottom a little at a time, and it waters way down deep. So you can make your own deep root feeders. Now let's go to uh, Tim in Gulfport. Hey, Tim, good morning. Morning. Howdy. What's up? I don't know if it's a good morning yet. It's too early to tell. Yeah, well, it's, it's awful good for now. Uh, insufficient data. Yeah. <laughs> what can I help you with? Uh, first of all, uh, the way to get rid of fire ants mm-hmm. is fairly simple and fairly inexpensive. Uh, fire ant bait is the best option overall. It's quite inexpensive. A pound and a half covers an acre, uh-huh. although it's hard to put out. Yes. A pound and a half per acre. But it does work, and there's about a million fire ants looking for food per acre, so they find it within two hours. And this time of year, within two or three weeks, the mound is dead. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, if you have a mound that is really irritating, it's where children are playing, where pets are, it's up next to your house or your air conditioner, you can take the cheapest liquid insecticide that's labeled for use in your yard, mix it up at the lowest rate on the label, walk up to the mound and drench it. They're dead in five to ten minutes, and if you're very, very quiet, you can hear them scream as they suffer and die. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, they blow holes, they blow out of these little holes in their sides called spiracles. <laughs> yeah. But, anyway. uh, uh, and, and, but the, the two-step method is the best method, uh, and, and as far as that, that old wives tale about the grits on the mound, that came from back when we were putting out Myrex. Yeah, it was a bait. People, people who had, weren't familiar with baits, and they saw this Myrex, and they thought it was grits. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing they could assume was that, you know, grits swell up when you, when you <laughs> cook them yourself. Yeah. They thought that's what did it to the, to the ants. Well, to kind of sum up what you're saying, and I agree in these, the best long-term solution, if you have an undisturbed area, is the bait. It takes a while to work, but it's very effective. It has really practically no impact on the environment, but it right. takes a while. And if you disturb the mound... It's not going to work. Second thing is either a granular material or a liquid drench on the mound itself. And I recommend doing this late in the day when the ants are in their mound. By morning, the ants are gone, and so is insecticide. I wouldn't recommend a granular. Well, there there, there are some that work. You can, I, I, you can throw it. Granular is just going to cause them to move. No, no. I will say there are some that really do work. I just don't get into brands. There are some that but I, 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 I don't argue. I don't argue. Five years on fire ants. Yeah. And Throwing a granular usually just moved them around. Yeah. Have you heard of playing ping pong with okay. your neighbors? I, I don't want to get too much in, but orthene will kill them dead as a doorknob. Well, that um, I know the research that was done on that, yeah. and I'm afraid it was a little okay. iffy. But I have one other question. I want to root some native azaleas. They're really hard. They okay. don't. They don't have what's called preformed root initials. They don't. They don't naturally root. Some plants like gardenias, they will root in water in three weeks because they, there's some of the cells that already have what they call root initials. You know, they're ready to to differentiate into from stem root stem cells into root cells. Uh, the uh, uh, the native azaleas. It took them a long time to crack out how to do that. I can. I've got some information on it. Uh, I was actually at the, a research thing when they presented when they finally found out how they could do it on a big scale. I just can't remember the details. I know Alabama was doing some research on it a number of years. Yeah, ago. yeah. But this anyway. They're 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 difficult, but it is possible. Yeah, okay. Optimum time: June, okay. like a regular azalea. I I don't remember. I I don't remember. All right. So well, thank you much. Shoot me an email, man. I appreciate it. All right. 
Okay, let me, I'll tell you what, let me, let's get, can, I'm going to do this, and after this call, I want to talk to Herbie. Andy, are you there in Jackson? I'm here, yeah. Howdy, what can I help you with? Well, I've got some blackberries coming out, and there's this beautiful orange color on the leaves, and it looks like some kind of scale, and it was dusty, and now it's kind of gotten more uh, attached. And I don't have no idea what it is. I've is never it, seen it, anything. Is like it a is it a bright rust color? Yes. Yeah. There 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 is a, a a disease called rust, and I bet that's why you rub it off and gets this rusty stuff on your fingers. Yep. 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 Yeah. So pretty, what do I do with it? Oh well, but it's too late to do anything now. We have to, when you spray when you treat for for diseases, you have to treat as a preventative. Once you get on the plant in the plant, we don't really cure them. You know, you can kill a bug that's on uh, a plant, but but you have to prevent the 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 disease by spraying ahead of time. If you know you got it now, Andy, you know we can look uh-huh. at we can look at tree and there's a there's a natural material you can use that you can spray next year before the infection happens. It typically happens around the same time. Cedars, uh, uh, and it, it's, it probably caused cedar apple rust. I don't know the exact one, but um, right, it's too late right. to treat this year. Is what I'm saying. So, is it going to be there all year? No, it's a temporary infection. Just, just the leaves are infected. Would, could I prune those leaves off? And sure. Throw them away. Yeah, but if but if if they're still if part of them still green, they're still working. In other words, it's not going to do anything. Cause many thing at this point. Okay, so it's still going to give me blackberries. Yeah, it's the rust is on the leaves. Okay. Okay. Well, great. That's what I needed to know. Thanks. I'll, I'll swing. Right. You work in your yard today? Oh, my gosh. I'll be there all day tomorrow. And I will be there late this afternoon. I'll, yeah, I'll, walk by. I was I'll see ask you then. You, but I never saw you. I'll see you then. Okay. You know, f- folks, this guy, his name is Andrew Young. He gardens in his front yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to show you my new uh, raised beds. They're three feet tall. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of going to cure the bending over to weed there you uh, go issue. there you go so i got some plants i'll swap with you too man appreciate right, it andy I'll, talk, I'll see you then okay. okay see ya herbie we got you here yeah i'm here oh man thank you so much you know i got stumped real bad on a call this morning what was it? uh they want to know is there anything is there any kind of bait or kind of thing that works on termites they got termites in the base of their fruit trees and you're sort of a fruit tree and you you know all the pro you, you you're the garden center manager at hutto's and yeah. you probably are more up to date on products and treatments natural or chemical than anybody Bait for termites, I do not know of one. I haven't heard of one. I figured the biggest thing with the fruit, I mean, they just don't have to spray the trunk and treat the ground around them. Yeah, you know, the sprays don't really penetrate into, you know, termites, once again, in a plant, it's hard to do anything about it. Sure is. Yeah, well, I, I just didn't know, you know, and you've seen, you've been working in garden centers, Herbie, for. What thirty something years, I guess. Thirty years, right? Yeah, and and you've seen stuff come, you've seen things go, you've seen good stuff taken away for a wrong reason, you've seen bad stuff that should have been taken off the market that's gone now. But so uh, you know, right now, I, I would say that natural control, uh, organic control, things like that, you probably have more selection of those now than we ever have had. We, we really do. We we we, we kind of strive hard at doing that too, somewhere to have a large selection of natural products. And a lot of times they work as well or better than some of the old chemicals. Yeah, most definitely do. And there's also some of our old chemicals that people never realized they were actually natural, that they were all organic. Yeah, like pyrethrins, for example. Pyrethrins, uh, your copper sulfate for your fungicides. Yeah, I just got a call from a fellow who's got rust uh, showing up on his blackberries. Yep, and, uh, Andrew, I heard him. Yeah, and is it is it copper? What, what does you spray for rust? Uh, you spray copper on there, but like you say, you got to spray it while they're blooming. Yeah, and that's uh, good. While the cedar trees are actually blooming, is when you have to spray it. Yeah, so too late for that. It's too late to really do anything about it now. Well, listen, I know y'all are hopping right now. The springtime is busting loose. The garden centers are finally getting a break. The weather is perfect. The dirt it turns over like chocolate cake right now. <laughs> it's not too wet. It's not too dry. What's hot right now in garden centers? Well, they're, they're Hot right now is going to be vegetable plants. I mean, they have really started taking off tomatoes and peppers, and then a lot of people going in and starting to plant their peas and beans and corn and stuff, too. Well, now, didn't you tell me one time that your dad used to plant on Good Friday, even if it was snowing? No matter what. When he, when he was raised, when he was coming up, his daddy planted on Good Friday no matter what. Well, Good Friday's kind of late this year. I'm not going to wait. Uh, not either. <laughs> but also, well, I will say this. A lot of my customer base is waiting. 
I've had a, several, several of them that are regulars come in and say, no, I'm waiting for Good Friday. I mean, the truth is, if you wait till the soil warms a little bit more, that's even better. But, you know, come on, it's great weather out there. The moon may or may not be right. But uh, what about her? Uh, the trends right now, people are interested in in, uh, in more variety than we used to see. Heirloom tomatoes, interesting peppers. What's available out there? What, 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 what so many varieties, it's hard to carry them all or to keep up with all of them, but we try real hard. I, right now, I probably carry over 20-something varieties of different tomatoes and over 20-something different varieties of peppers. And, and people come, you're doing that because people are actually buying them. People actually buy them, and there's so many people coming in, they want to try this new one or try this old one they've heard about. Uh, the heirloom tomatoes have really taken off in the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, they are, I mean, they, they really do a super job. Well, you know, I always recommend planting a few new things, but stick with things that are tried and true, and then mix a few things in. But you're saying you wouldn't be set, you wouldn't be growing these things if you didn't think people were going to buy them. It's not a gamble with you. No, people are, people are coming and asking for these. They come in asking for these different varieties. What about herbs? Are herbs herbs getting more you know in garden centers? Herbs are more and more popular every day. It seems like, and I, I also grow a lot of different varieties of herbs. I try to get everything I can that's unusual. You got any weird basil's? I've got a ton of different varieties of basil. I'm going to come in there. I love I loves me some basil. Yeah. Well, well, listen. I, I know people are people are uh, they're not done fertilizing the grass, but for the most part, uh, uh, lawn fertilizers they they've done pretty well this spring. Yeah, it's done pretty well so far. Uh, some of your grasses, even with your Bermudas, it's just now getting time to fertilize them. Yeah, it's that's just now coming out. That's what I've been telling people. Wait till the grass been mowed a time or two, and then fertilize. So this is a good time to fertilize. Good time to get vegetables, heirloom stuff. Herbs, uh, all that kind of stuff. The other positive thing is, is it's nice, cool weather. It's not too hot out there. I'm a, I, I will, I will be by later, my friend. Thank okay, you, buddy. thank you so much, right. folks. That was Herbie Austin. He's a general manager at Hutto's, and I call him because I know Herbie, and if he can get it, other garden centers can get it. So he's sort of, he's one of these guys that old time farmers come in to talk to. Old gardeners come in, and so I like to. He he knows what's trending, what's hot, what's not, and. He sort of represents the garden centers for me. Appreciate that with this big, big planting season starting this weekend. Uh, we got time to do some music, Java. Or you want to do some phone calls? It's up to you, big man. Let's let's do let's do one. Let's do. I got two real short little things because this is the Easter season coming up, and we think of bunny rabbits. Let's play this one real quick. very quiet I'm hunting rabbits Wabbit twat Peter Cottontail Hopping down the bunny trail Hippity hopping Easter's on its way Bringing every girl and boy Baskets full of Easter joy Things to make your Easter bright and gay He's got jelly beans for Tommy Colored eggs for Sister Sue 
There's an orchid for your mommy And an Easter bonnet too Oh, here comes Peter Cottontail Hopping down the bunny trail Hippity hoppity happy Easter day Okie dokie, folks. A little, uh, little Easter Bunny type stuff, and uh, we don't need to be killing the rabbit. But we got so many phone calls up here, I wanted to just jump right in. Let's go down to Moss Point and talk with Jackie. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Good morning. What you got going on? Two quick questions. Yep. I planted a potato in a five-gallon bucket like mm. you've talked about. Uh-huh. And it's, I covered it up with mulch leaves. It's all the way out the top of the bucket. The bucket's full of leaves. It's about two foot above that, and the plant is beautiful. Yeah. Is it time to drop it and see if I got potatoes? Oh, no, 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 no. They 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 start making potatoes about the time they start to flower, which is going to be more in the summertime. See, potatoes grow all summer in cool climates. We have to get in. we got kind of a short season. They don't like really hot weather. And so what you do is you just keep watering it, maybe just a little bit of fertilizer in there, not very much, but water it. Uh, and then when the tops start to turn yellow, that's, you know, in other words, wait till the plants start to die down. That's when they make the potatoes, sort of at the end of the whole thing. Okay, that's great. So right now, as long as those leaves are green, they're making taters. Okay, it's a beautiful green. It's a lot of fun. And if they start to make flowers on them, you know, they, they, they look sort of like... Uh, they're in the same family as peppers and tomatoes, a little purple thing, uh, pretty little flowers. If they start to do that, then you know they're making taters. But let's wait till the leaves die down. Okay. One more quick question. Mm-hmm. Yes, These sir. These are health reasons. I only plant containers. Yeah. Can you substitute baking soda for lime? Can you, can you do what with lime? Can you use baking soda? No, no, it's not the same thing at all. A lime is a, is a ground-up limestone, and it's got calcium in it, and that's for that. So you really need to use regular limestone, and it only takes it only takes a scant handful, of Jackie, per pot. You know, it doesn't take much at all. Yeah, I just hate to have to buy a whole big sack for. And use a cup full of it. Yeah, I understand that. You know, some people say you could use uh, uh, ground-up eggshells, but that's just not true. The eggshells yeah. don't have, it's not the same kind of calcium. But, okay, um, I'll stay with the lime then. Yeah, just, you know, go go to a garden center and get a little bag. You know, tell oh. them you want a little bag. Look at, look them in the eye, eyeball them and say, well, just open me a bag and sell me a little bit of it. Okay. Don't tell them I said that. Okay. <laughs> See you, Jackie. Thank you. You bet. I'm going to get in so much trouble. Hey, Jerry, calling from Tupelo. What you got going on? Hey, Felder. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, the, the foundation plants and foundation problems, but I, I had a thought on, on an earlier call I wanted to share with you before I forget about it, on the uh, termites in the fruit tree. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, fire ants are natural, any kind of ants, most, most ants, I'll just say, are natural enemies of termites. Oh, yeah. Well, you think uh, it would be, uh, I don't people want to do this or not, go, Go give them five gallon bucket, dig them up a fire ant bed, and put it over that fruit tree. <laughs> well, you know, you got to get the queen and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't know. What, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I know what, but you can get rid of the fire ants more easy than you can get rid of the termites. There you go. But you're, you're right. And termites, uh, fire ants, they don't, they, termites can seal off their tunnels real quick. It's a little defensive. But fire ants are pretty persistent. Pretty persistent. Yeah. They will kill termites and chinch bugs. Yeah. Well, that was just an idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I want to ask is, I've had I've got an older home, and we've got a lot of big shrubs around the house, and I've heard of people, you know, taking out shrub beds and then having foundation problems. I, I know of a specific house where that happened. It wasn't my house, but uh, somebody took out a foundation, uh, took out shrub beds, and this, this was a house never had a foundation problem. No, had yeah. tremendous problems. Out. Yeah. And uh, so I just wondered your your thoughts on that. Do you think the shrubs? Uh, you know, you know the, the example I'm talking about. Maybe there was other things as far as drainage besides just the presence of the shrubs. There. Well, there, there's a couple of these. First of all, big shrubs do pull moisture. You know, and if they've got a problem where there's water coming off their roof and it stays around the foundation, plants can sort of wick it out pretty, pretty good bit. Mm-hmm. 
So there could be something to that. Uh, but it could also be that when they pulled the plants out, it caused drainage change and water was where the plants were. The water was filling up those holes and sinking down deeper rather than running off. You know, so it's more of a hydrology thing than the plants. Although plants can suck up a lot of moisture. Trees can, too. If you get rid of them, you know, then, you know, but I, I'd be willing to bet it's more likely that when they dug the plants up, it left uh, indentions or different kind of soil and water settled there a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was wondering about that. It's just a guess. It's nothing but a guess, of course. All right. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I've taken out a bunch of big hollies. Let me make two suggestions. First of all, if you dig them out and you want to put something in those holes, go with real dirt, not potting soil, anything like that. Go with something that's firm, sort of like what you already got out there, and it's not going to stay wet, dry, wet, dry, like filling up with some potting soil wood. Oh, okay. And when you get ready to do your, your boxwoods, let's go out from the foundation four or five yeah. feet because you got yeah. better dirt there. The plants yeah. will grow better. And from the street, they look like they're up against the house. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I was thinking about doing. I wasn't going to go right back where those other shrubs were. I was going to move them out a little bit. Yeah. Good. That's good Good advice. All right. And, and you're also going to know, Jerry, that as, the, as, the, as those roots and stuff decompose of your old hollies, yeah. they, they're going to make root-shaped holes in the ground. So, again, get your pile <laughs> of dirt. and you, you know, Just throw some real dirt there, and it'll yeah. fill up the holes as, as it happens. Excellent. By the way, there's going to be a plant sale uh, in Tupelo uh, on April the 22nd. The Lee County uh, Master Gardens there at the Extension Service, they're having a plant sale on Saturday, April 22nd. Go out there and see what you can find. Great. Thank right. you for sharing. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. This could be one at Monell Gardens in Jackson and one in Lee County at Tupelo Extension Service, both of them on April the 22nd. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now let's go to uh, – is this – Lenny and Pascagoula? Yes, sir. Howdy. Thanks for calling. What's up, man? Good morning. Good morning. I'm not here to get into a fight, but uh, okay. the, guy about, about the guy about the Roundup, uh-huh. there's, there's a, you can find it online. There's a recipe that it, basically the big components for weed killer are Dawn and vinegar and a couple of other things. Yeah. And... I mixed up a big batch of it, and it works like crazy. It do, it'll burn plants down. If it's a perennial plant, it'll they'll come back, but it will burn plants down pretty good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good what we call a topical treatment. It does work. Absolutely. That's uh, it. it. No, what, what <laughs> I really wanted to call about Karen feeding of a staghorn staghorn fern. Oh man, they're magnificent plants. I was just out in Southern California staying with some friends about the Botanic Garden. They have some huge ones. You cannot put your arms around them. They have some at the New Orleans Botanic Garden too. Um, have you have you already got one? Of course, yes, sir. Okay. Um, um, it's growing in moss, and that was my thing. Is I've always been kind of like you know. Dubious about that. Well, you know these these plants they're they're what they call epiphytes. You know, like Spanish moss. Uh, they grow in trees and they use trees as support where they're native to. They grow, you know, suspended off the air and they get all the stuff they need for rainfall. But that's in a tropical jungle where it rains all the time. See, so if you you know basically you use the 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 uh, the, the the moss and all that kind of stuff just as a support. You need to water them pretty often. Okay. And, uh, you know, and if you have some potting soil, they don't have real roots to grow into potting soil, but they have this fibrous looking stuff. Potting soil won't dry out as quick as just moss or just thin air. But basically, you know, the, uh, you know, the bigger they are, the more you need to put them, you know, in the shade and you need to wet them down. You know, it's going to be two or three times a week. I can do that. And every now and then, not often, but every now and then, use about a half-strength liquid plant food. Just half-strength at most. Whatever it calls for a gallon of water, put that in two or three gallons of water. Just every now and then. Give them a few little nutrients because if you water from a hose, there's not as much nutrient as it is in rainfall with stuff like that. Thank you, sir. Happy uh, Easter. Appreciate it. Thank you. Don't go wabbit hunting. <laughs> wabbit hunt. That's right. <laughs> And uh, and I know, folks, there's not any nutrients in rainfall, but there's dust and there's little spiders and stuff like that. But ain't nothing coming out of a, a hose but just water. But if you get staghorn ferns and hanging baskets, anything that's watered a lot washes the nutrients away, and you need to replace that. Now let's go up to the Delta. Victor, are you in Sledge? Are you from Sledge or what? 
I, I live around slaves. They associate your mailing where your mail comes to you. I'm out <laughs> in the rural. You know, my dad was a little, from a little place called Lynn, Mississippi, and that's you know somewhere out from Cleveland, someplace. But there wasn't any mailbox there either. Well, that's my middle name. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, what's up, Victor? Um, in my mother's yard, there's a mimosa tree. Love it. Beautiful, fragrant. I want to get. Some somewhere or another, I want to be able to plant something so yeah. that it will grow in my yard. I'm only a quarter mile down the road, yeah. so it's the same climate, uh, same soil uh, thing, and everything. Yeah. How do I do? What's the best way to do that? You know, first, first of all, on one hand, there are a lot of people who don't like my most of trees because they say they come up everywhere, they're short lived, they drip sap, blah blah. They have all these different ten reasons why you shouldn't plant a mimosa tree. But on the other hand, I was raised under a mimosa tree, and I love them, and I got one in my yard, and I wouldn't give anything for it. Yeah. And they are afraid, and hummingbirds love those flowers. Exactly. Uh, now, and and I want to throw out one other thing before I answer your question. My my mimosa tree comes up every, you know, it comes up. It's a, it's a tree, but I cut mine down every summer. And the reason I do that, uh, Victor, when it goes to flower, hummingbirds, bees love its great smell, but then it goes to seed that come up everywhere. I found that if I cut mine down after it blooms in the summer, it sprouts back out that summer with long branches, look like great big giant ferns. Next year they bloom, and then I cut them down. See, so the. But now, if you want to grow as a shade tree like my grandmother did, and by the way, she planted four clocks around the base and painted the trunks white. You know, this, this is this is an Indianola right down the road from you. But if you want to get some, I bet your mother's got some potted plants out there someplace, got little mimosa trees coming up from seeds in the pots. Seeds? Okay. Yeah, you oh, know, they well, come... Well, she's deceased. Oh, okay. Property. Okay. Yeah, well, if... Don't... If you look around, you'll see, because mimosas tend to come up from seed, there will be some small ones here and there. You know, they don't look like much, but the first year or so, you can still transplant them. You know, they may be knee-high or whatever, but, you know, they look like little ferns when they come up. And if you go around there near that tree in some flower beds or someplace, I bet you're going to find some little small, they may be only four or five, six inches tall. They might be a foot tall, but you'll find some little mimosa trees. Dig them up and plant them. You know, d- d- have your have your car, your truck running. Dig them up, and take them home and plant them just that quick. Maybe dig the hole first. Okay. But uh, they're they're pretty easy from seed. If you don't find any this year, when the mimosa tree goes to seed, you know they look like little flat bean looking things, little right. p- papery beans. Then uh, take a, a couple of those, handful of crumble them up real good, spread them on top of some potting soil, and they'll sprout the next spring. I'll be done. Okay. Okay. Thank you so very much. You bet. Oh, and by the way, you know how they have those pretty pink flowers and so pretty? Yes. Somebody told me that they weren't really flowers, that they're baby flamingo larvae. (laughs) 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 Whatever, Victor. We got to get it where we can find it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Appreciate your call, man. Bless you. Thank you. You know, some people don't like certain kind of plants, and I get that. Oh, well. This is Harry and Madison. Did I push the wrong button? Hey, I thought I pushed the wrong button there. It scared me. What's up, man? Uh, well, you know, I've talked to you about the big tree collapse I had last summer. Yeah, it took down and half your house, didn't it? No, it took your shed down or something? No, it took a big chunk of the house. And, and uh, what's worse was by the time it was all done, the St. Augustine on half my yard was gone. Yeah. So since it was so late in the year, I just planted ryegrass yep. to hold the dirt there over the winter. Yeah. Now I'm ready to come in and, and put St. Augustine sod over there. Yeah. Uh, my plan had been to just mow the ryegrass really close and yep. then just lay the sod over that. Is that going to work? Yeah. Lay, you can lay it if you, if you mow it close and then give it a day or two to kind of dry down a little bit. Okay. Then, then how, what, close do I, how close do I need to mow it? Well, it doesn't matter because when you put the sod, the sod on top of it, water it real good, then walk on it. You know, you want to mash it oh, down so the sod, the bottom of the sod is really tightly oppressed uh, to your soil. And what will happen is when you water the new sod, water through the sod, you know, down deep, and then let the sod almost dry out so the new roots at the bottom will grow down. And they will follow the root holes of your ryegrass into the ground. Okay. But if the, I got a roller to roll over the sod, would that compress it too much? No. No, but at the same time, have you got a roller? 
I don't have one, but I can put put your put your, put your big feet to use, Harry. You don't Roller need a big. you don't need to use a roller. The main main <laughs> thing is you just want to make sure you get in the air pocket. So water it, and then walk on it. Won't hurt it at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and about and, and about the buckeye that I emailed you about, yeah, would would five or six hours of morning sun be too much? No, no, buckeyes don't like midday or late afternoon sun. There was a big one at Monell Gardens got a lot of sun, and it looked terrible at the end of every year. It'll do fine, it'll bloom fine, but it just they, they, you know. So the main thing is protect from midday to late afternoon sun. Okay, I think I got a plan. Okay, now listen, when you get your Saint Augustine down there. You know, water it th- right at first. Not going to have any roots on it beneath the sides. You have to water it uh, once or twice a week for uh, uh, two or three weeks, and then right. water m- more only once a week, and let that side dry out. The roots will grow down deep, and uh, so don't don't if you keep it wet, the roots going to stay shallow. Right. All righty, man. Okay. Thank you much. You bet. Stay cool. Let's go to Columbus now. Hey, Nick. Good morning. Hello, is this Nick? Yep. yep. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you. I got you on the call radio. I'm going to have to put my volume down. There you go. Talk to you. Uh, okay. Turn it up and talk to me, okay? Okay. Now let's well, go. The question is, I've had a garden in the same place for about 10 years, and I've never had any earthworms. Uh, and I go to a uh, sporting bush or, or, or either a fish store and buy a bucket of earthworms and put it in the garden? Well, you can, but uh, let me, let me, let's back up a little bit. Do you, do you have a tiller? Do you till your garden? Uh, no, I do not till it. Okay. Do you use, what kind of fertilizer do you use? Well, mainly I use calcium uh, 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 nitrate on my onions. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, on my on my tomatoes. Yeah. But uh, uh, you just miracle grow or something like that. Yeah. Do you do you ever do you mulch your garden? You put leaves or bark or anything like that? Or are you growing just plain dirt? No, uh, it's uh, uh, it has been tilled up over the years. But right now, all I'm doing is taking oak leaves and putting in the garden. Okay. And I've got somewhere around uh, three inches of oak leaves. Okay. Okay, here's what I would do, because worms eat leaves, okay, but they also need protein. So what I would do is I'd go to a garden center someplace and get you some cottonseed meal, okay, that's a natural source of nitrogen, but it's got protein in it that will beef worms up. And if you'll just go under anybody's old oak tree or leaf pile and just dig some old compost so if they got worms in it, you, you you'll get a whole lot more plus eggs and everything than buying the stuff at the store. Those have been grown in like bathtubs and stuff. I'd go ahead and, and get some from under a tree or under a leaf pile, put those out there and feed them with a little cottonseed meal and they'll take care of it. Anyway, more details, shoot me an email. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This has been a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Java Chapman. Man, I've been busy today. You know, we've had uh, Kevin Farrell uh, in there uh, screening your calls. We're going to be doing lots of stuff. Got some uh, fun events coming up. We're going to be broadcasting on Good Friday, so I hope to see you all this time next week. Meanwhile, take a trip to a garden center. You may not want to plant until Good Friday, but you can buy stuff now and get ready. And take a kid with you, maybe to a farmer's market, and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.